a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. Welcome back to Inside Sources. I am your guest host, Ben Horsley. Scott Hal here on the left. I just want to point that out to our texter, please. <laughs> Apparently, you're a Democrat in name only. Yeah. So, man, there's a lot of hate coming across the text line today. I, are these just people who are at home and don't have anything else to do? I or? think that they need to get engaged in some of the service projects that we have in our community. Come down to the homeless children. You know what? We'll, we'll help you spend your time. Absolutely. Uh, Dave was a great guest. We have uh, some additional things we want to discuss with uh, our audience today. Uh, a recent Utah policy survey actually came out just a few days ago discussing gun violence in uh, our country as well as talking about background checks. And so we actually have a couple of uh, guests who are here to help us uh, analyze this and uh, to discuss these issues. I'd like to welcome Clark Apotion. Uh, I want to say from the Utah Shooting Sports Council. Did I get that right, Clark? That is perfect. That is singularly perfect. Rock on. How are you doing, Clark? <laughs> I'm doing well to both of you. Nice to hear from you. Hey, Clark, it's great to to be with you. I uh, I remind everybody that you taught my uh, concealed weapon class. Uh, you and the representative. I don't know if you remember that. Ben McAdams and I went to it because we really need to see what was going on. I absolutely do. I remember Ben. Ben had some staffers there with him as well, and uh, we did that at the Lee K, the state shooting. Yep, yep, that's it. Well, listen, this uh, Clark, this really got me this morning. Utahns overwhelmingly support requiring background checks on all gun sales. What's up with that? Yeah, you know, it doesn't it doesn't surprise me, given the the decades of misinformation by. By those folks that would would like to just kind of hinder your ability to have guns, including former President Obama. I mean, right on TV, he said, "Yes, you can buy a gun on the internet and have it shipped right to your home." With with that kind of misinformation, it's no doubt that people are saying, "Yeah, we we should have background checks." When in reality, we already have background checks. And what we're really talking about with this with this I'm going to call it a scheme is basically criminalizing private transfers. That's what it amounts to. So that you bring up an excellent point with respect to that not really all uh, gun purchases are background checked. Or correct me if I'm wrong. If you do have a private sale, obviously there's no background check. There is, uh, there is not. However, however, there are still state and federal laws that apply to even that transfer. Any transfer of a firearm, whether done at an FFL or the Federal Firearms Licensed Gun Dealer or a private transfer, has to comply with state and federal laws. Well, let me put a scenario to you, Clark, just for the benefit of our listeners. Obviously, I've worked with you in conjunction with the school district and some other things. 
when I now walk into an elementary school, I pull out my driver's license as a guest. I slip it and it scans into a machine, and within 30 seconds, the staff there at that school know whether I'm on a sex offender registry. They know if I have any other criminal background that would warrant uh, my being limited from coming onto campus. It doesn't take that long. Why not have universal background checks on all gun purchases if it's that simple? How, but it's not universal. That's I mean, that would be just wonderful if it would work like that, but it doesn't work like that. In fact, the very people that are in control of these background check systems in the, in the nation, the ATF, NICS, the FBI, they specifically do not use the term universal because they know it's not universal, because they know that criminals are – I mean, the, the, whole, the whole plan is that we are being sold on this scheme is that criminals will go ahead and present themselves at a, uh, at a gun store or wherever to, to have a background check run on them. They certainly aren't going to do that. They, they don't do it in California. They don't do it in Massachusetts. They don't do it in New Jersey or any of the places where universal, so-called universal background checks are done. And as such, it hasn't stopped crime. The very, you know, you're going to submit to it because you're a law-abiding person. And so will I'm I. glad but- you think so. Some of the textures <laughs> seem to disagree. I, I am a gun owner, um, and, and you're right. I, I don't have any qualms uh, as a gun owner with uh, going through some sort of background check to affirm that I have – uh, the the legal right to own a gun. And I would agree with you that I don't think criminals are going to be lining up to purchase their guns in a legal transaction anyway. Uh, that being said, what did you think about this, Scott? Well, you know, I'm, a, I'm one of those people that anything we can do to encourage safety and do background checks, I don't have a problem with that. And when I read these polls, 88% of Utahns strongly support background checks. 97% of Utahns age 18 to 34 want checks on all gun sales. Well, 88% of those 65 and older want them, but most men want background checks too, 80%, but the women were 96. And Clark, for me, it's an issue of maybe someone will go in there that had something on their record that would put up a red flag somewhere. And, you know, this some of those school shootings and things like that, would have those kids ever been detected? Would they, were there something that would have happened? I don't know, but I'm willing to take the chance and as a law-abiding citizen and a believer in the Second Amendment. I think it's okay to have these background checks. I don't think it's going to inhibit anyone's ability to have, have another firearm. You know, let me, let me add this. In fact, because there's a lot of, you know, what I would call gun control schemes going around right now. And doing something that doesn't work, but pretending that it does work, is worse than doing nothing at all. So, you know, I mean, I, I get that, and I, and I read the polls as well. I've seen polls uh, just recently in the last week from MSNBC as well as the Washington Times that are a complete flip, 180-degree flip on those numbers. Yet, I wonder why we aren't talking about those polls, but they're accessible. They just aren't talked about. You know, Clark, you, you really make a, a, a good point on that. Um, but I also, I also think at the same time, some gun shows – there are really frequently private individuals who sell guns without such checks. And the private to, private to person to gun sales outside gun shows where the buyer's not checked against federal estate uh, initiatives, I, I think it's okay to do that. I don't, I, I, I can't, as Ben was saying, you know, within 30 seconds, a, a person can be uh, deemed whether they can go into the school or they can't. And I just don't see it's an inhibitor other than it, it, it falls on the side of extra safety if we can ever save that measure. No, hey. but, but when you say 30 seconds, that, 
that's when you're standing there at the counter. But if you want to transfer a, a, a shotgun to a buddy of yours to go hunting that day, or if you want to, this is going to have a very chilling effect, if you want to secure or babysit a firearm from a despondent friend of yours or family member, you're going to have to both get in the vehicle, go down to the gun store, hopefully it's open and you're, and you're they're despondent during business hours, submit yourself to a background check. That's going to cost about 20 to $30, depending on, on the location. So it's not 30 seconds. It may be 30 seconds for the actual running of the check, but certainly not 30 seconds in uh, logistically. Clark, we got just a, another minute or two here. I want to just... Look, I get it. I, I, I'm, I'm a freedom guy, right? Uh, I believe that uh, legal, uh, law-abiding citizens, hopefully like myself, should have the right and privilege to protect their families. Um, that being said, what can we do? Uh, you, w- mental illness is not necessarily tied to mass shootings. We're seeing some of these other studies. How do we really uh, provide the safety and security uh, on these these transactions to make sure that they're legit. I agree with you. Criminals aren't going to buy, go through these processes anyways, but there's got to be something we can do. You know, I'm glad you asked that. We have, I don't know, 20, 25,000 odd gun laws, and some of the most egregious ones are not being enforced. We just saw in the newspaper yesterday, the person who illegally transferred a firearm to a person that later killed beautiful Lauren McCluskey, uh, is getting off with time served. He could have served time in both state prison or federal prison, but he's not. And so what kind of message does that send to somebody who's thinking about illegally transferring a firearm? Clark, you and I are exactly on the same page. We need to do an op-ed. That young man got off way too easy, and that's an abomination to uh, send a message out there. I completely agree with you. It's always a pleasure to have you and to listen to your point of view. You know, you're respectful, and it just goes to show that people with differing opinion can uh, talk about things and and let let the audience decide. I agree. Thanks, Clark, for being with us today. We, uh, we're running out of time on this particular segment, but we're actually going to come back to this topic a little bit later and dig a little deeper into the survey, uh, particularly on the gun violence uh, component of this. So uh, thank you for being with us. Uh, when we come back, uh, we're actually going to be getting on the line with Senator Todd Weiler and be discussing the partisan elections of our state school board members and whether that's a good thing or not. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.